0: And now the business owner isn't seeing you as just merely producing historical information. They're starting to realize that you're key for them to be able to plan their company, make decisions about cash flow, get the lines of credit they need to expand, open new stores, buy the competition. There's so many other things that they could be doing if they just could see the value of what we bring to the table as accounting professionals. You are listening to Australia's Podcast for Accountants.
1: Tax Talks, the podcast to grow your firm. Welcome to episode 380 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to DocuSign for sponsoring this episode. So today is the last episode about the nine principles of profitable accounting practices and businesses. Principles are universal. They apply to all businesses, to ours, as well as our clients and everybody else. In the past episodes, we covered the three principles of marketing and the three principles of production. Today, let's talk about accounting. Here's Roger Connect of the Universal Accounting Center in Utah. Accounting.
0: First of all, the book obviously goes into detail. And so to read the book, I think we'll do it self-justice. So there's no reason for us to really retell the book, but I'm going to kind of set it up this way. The first reason why accounting professionals choose to share this book with the business owners that they interact with is because the book ends in this section here, clearly explaining why accounting is so essential to the success of the business. This is where, as accounting professionals, we shine. This is where the business owner comes to learn that there are short-term, mid-term, and long-term needs on their part that they have for what the accounting professional can uh, can deliver. So I believe it's very important that you understand that the book is intentionally written for the business owner to end realizing they, to be successful, need to work with a competent accounting professional. So that sets the stage, I think, well for this discussion. Now to the accounting professional, What I'd like to emphasize, and this is something that I'm actually addressing in a book that I've written that's being published this year, is that there are six essential services that we can and should be providing as a profession to our clients. Now, whether or not you as a firm, as a business, are offering all six of these services is for you to decide, but all six of these are essential to the success of the business owner. I break them up into three categories, and it's very simple. It's bookkeeping and accounting services, tax planning and preparation services, and the third is CFO and advisory services. Each of those is made up of two elements, and those six things are essential to the success of the business owner. So whether you're choosing to do bookkeeping and tax preparation, whether you're choosing to do accounting and tax planning, Whatever your mix of services are is fine, but the business owner, they need all six. And so as we get into this section of the book, there are three key elements that are necessary for that business to be profitable. But when we as accounting professionals realize that we have very distinct, specific services that we should be offering, that I think helps complement our conversation that we're about to have.
1: Do you mind if I just drill deeper into those six elements just quickly? Yeah. So the first group is bookkeeping and accounting, and there are two elements in it. I assume the two elements are bookkeeping and accounting, correct?
0: Yes, those are the two elements. And they're very distinct and I think too often misunderstood both by the accounting profession and by the business owner. If you talk to an accountant and you talk to a business owner, how they each decide to define bookkeeping define accounting, they'll each differ. And that's the, that's the unfortunate situation here. We've got to be much more deliberate in explaining when we say we offer bookkeeping services, what that entails, and the business owner needs to have clear what they're paying for as it relates to bookkeeping services. The same is very true for accounting. What is accounting? What is that from an accounting point of view? And what is that from a business owner's point of view? And they're very specific services. But too often, I think in the accounting profession, we muddy the water and we're not clear and specific. And that's very unfortunate.
1: Can you tell me in your words how bookkeeping and accounting are different? I'm easy. not disputing that they are different, but tell me easy. how they are different.
0: Very easy and unfortunate. I I am sad to say not everyone can say what I'm about to tell you. Bookkeeping is clearly the compliance. It's everything that you're doing to record the transactions and prepare for the client, the financial reports, the P&L, the balance sheet, the cash flow statement, period. The bookkeeper, they basically are preparing for the client, the business owner, those reports on a regular basis, in my opinion, on a monthly basis, no less than every quarter. That is bookkeeping. Bookkeeping is being meticulous with all the transactions, providing a very accurate report for the business owner to run their business. That's bookkeeping. Accounting is hugely different. Accounting is taking the time, the effort to actually now analyze and interpret that information. It's taking the the time to compare last month to the previous month's financials. It's taking last month and comparing it to the same month last year. It's taking last quarter and comparing it to the previous quarter. It's taking last quarter and comparing it to the same quarter the previous year. And you're looking for relationships. You're looking for what's changed. You're looking at Let's say ratios. What's the current ratio of the business? What's the EBITDA of the business? And communicating that to the client, helping the client understand what are liquidity ratios? What are, let's say, uh, what's the relationship between cost of goods versus gross revenue? What's the relationship between gross revenue and advertising, gross revenue and payroll? Those percentages, how do they compare months over months, quarter over quarter? That's a whole narrative that the bookkeeper isn't doing or or doesn't need to do. That's the accounting role of the business. And the accountant is needing, needing to take that information now and articulate in a very simple way what that information is saying to the business owner so that they can use the information. The business owner should see their accountant as an interpreter. Accounting is the language of business. It is the role of the accountant to now interpret that information for the business owner, translate it so that it's now useful for them to make informed business decisions. If the business owner does not understand what the accounting is communicating so that they can make more informed business decisions, the role of the accountant is a failure, in my opinion. They are not doing their job to educate, inform, and help their client, the business owner.
1: Does tax planning really happen every year? Yes. Because I see tax planning more around planning the structures. You know, saying okay, we no. put a we put no. a discretionary trustee and we to put a company no. here.
0: No. No. And I appreciate you tr- you asking that because I think that is the misunderstanding. Tax planning and preparation easy to define. Let me again just kind of elaborate. Tax preparation is simply you're offering a service where you help the business file in a timely manner, accurate tax forms. You're, you're actually taking the time to fill out the forms and submit them, helping them avoid late fees and tax-related fees. And that's a work. It's a very quality-valued work that you get paid well for, and that's wonderful. Tax preparation is essential so that the business owner is being tax-compliant. Awesome. Awesome. But what we're talking about with tax planning is more of a strategic approach to business. Every, every government offers to the small business world, to the business community, different incentives, different tax breaks that if the business owner properly implements in a given year, they can then leverage in their tax filing. So if you're doing tax preparation and you see that the business failed to do something, You can't retroactively change anything. They didn't do it in that tax season. And so you just have to file the return as it is. But the tax planning is to say, to go to the business owner, here's something that the government has offered you that if you choose to implement, you can actually save some money. And that's R&D tax credits. That's hiring certain types of employees. Uh, It's working with different savings that might go on if you build or operate a business in a certain area. Well, those tax savings the business owner may not know of. And as a tax expert, we should be learning what those motivations, those those opportunities are to communicate them to our clients. Some of them are very industry specific. Some of them are very specific to certain regions or cities or areas. Some of them are very specific to certain classifications of employees and so forth, all of which the government uses as motivations to the business owner to do a certain, a certain thing. Well, the tax planning only works if done and implemented correctly. So what we're doing with our clients is outside of the tax preparation season is we're meeting with our clients annually. I would dare say a few times throughout the year to ask, what are your business plans? How can we actually leverage this tax opportunity? And more importantly, implement it before the end of the tax season so that we can actually use it when we do our next tax filing. That's tax planning. And is. As profitable as tax preparation is as a service, tax planning is even more profitable because you can actually help a client with tax planning avoid a tax liability that's tens, if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars worth of savings that if you just help them implement it, you could, from a value pricing perspective, earn thousands, tens of thousands of dollars for that tax strategy that you help them implement and you'll be paid handsomely for helping them do so.
1: So that was tax planning and preparation. Thank you, very Yes. And then the last one is CFO and advisory work. And of course, again, the two elements are CFO work and advisory. Can you tell me what a CFO for a small business actually does?
0: Exactly. Well, first of all, CFO and advisory, completely different. That's why it's two separate services. The CFO for a small business is no different than a CFO for a larger business. They're helping establish policies and procedures related to cash flow. You're determining or helping the business owner identify how to compensate the employees so that there's a proper compensation plan for the business. You're offering basic cash strategies to say, if you're offering a product, we need a certain percent of the money's down up front for the transaction to mitigate our needing to upfront costs associated with COGS or payroll to deliver that product or service before we can receive final payment. Imagine a business is in place and the business owner is just happy to take the business but chooses not to collect any money up front. And all of a sudden, they come to realize that it's them fronting the cost of whatever cogs might be involved, them fronting the cost of the payroll that's being involved, they're bearing the burden of providing that product or service that the client has agreed to pay for in the end. Well, the CFO is going to come in and implement various policies to say, we don't take any business unless the client pays us 20, 50, 70% down. We don't offer a painful discount unless they actually do this much. And the discounts we're going to offer are only going to be this. These are the financing terms we offer. We're going to do net 30s, not net 45s. We're going to do net 10s instead of net 30s. All of these decisions are because of cash flow. Cash flow is very essential to the business's success. Too often, business owners struggle because of their cash flow situation, not because they're not selling. They just don't have the monies to pay for the product, the vendors, the payroll. What we're doing as CFOs is we're helping them address those things. As a CFO, you're also helping the business owner navigate the relationships with banks, with vendors, with with uh, investors. You're helping them identify what their different risks are. Do they need key man insurance within the organization because of the different people that are involved? There's so many decisions at the CFO level of the organizations that are policy-oriented to the success of that client that they, as a business owner, they may not be aware of. But as a CFO, you stepping in and helping them make these procedural decisions can be hugely important to the success of that client. And that's more than a bookkeeper that's more than an accountant, that's literally coming in and and stepping into the role as a CFO. You're helping them with the banks, lines of credit, getting business loans. You're helping them with their investors, how they're allocating shares, assessing the valuation of those shares, uh, paying out dividends. These are all the CFO type things that the client needs help with.
1: And advisory?
0: Advisory is going beyond the traditional accounting scope of things, like I've mentioned, bookkeeping, accounting, CFO, it's stepping into more of a business coach or advisor role. And I would define it as what are you doing to actually help the business owner plan for their exit strategy? What are the things that you're doing to help them improve the valuation of their business, mitigate some of the risks associated with their business valuation? What are you doing to actually address things that are related to not only just accounting and cash flow, but maybe their culture, their standard operating procedures, anything and everything that an outside investor, a bank, might be looking at to issue an evaluation of the business. And as you're helping that business owner look at their exit plan, anytime you can begin with the end in mind, you're able to actually build a better institution, a better organization. And so if you can go in there as a business coach and an advisor and help them actually address things that they may be overlooking because they're not aware of what's going on in that perspective. They're dealing with the day-to-day operations of the business. You as a business advisor can help them identify things that they can be working on as the owner of the company that literally improve the valuation of their business. That's huge. That's more than what an accountant, I mean, you can walk in there and give them an EBITDA rating and say this is what your company is worth, but what can we do to move that needle and actually increase the valuation of the company? Well, In our organization, we speak of what are called eight drivers that determine the value of the business. Well, of these eight drivers, only one of them is a financial driver. All the seven others are things outside of that accounting scope. But as a business advisor, you could work with them over the course of 12, 18, 24 months to address those areas of their business as their advisor and at the end of the day they will build an organization a business that they're proud of that's self-sustaining that works autonomous from the business owner has worth and value and they can start considering what their exit plan is
1: so these were the six essential services that every business needs yes not every accountant might offer it but correct this is what every business needs to survive bookkeeping accounting tax planning preparation cfo and advice
0: Perfect. The way I would say it is that those services, the six, are what the accounting firm can decide whether or not they offer to their client. The business owner, regardless, has three areas of their business that they need to be focusing on to be in the black, which is what makes up these three components from the book in the black. But Related to that are the three core services that I just finished discussing with you. And so they are two totally separate conversations. I don't want to blend them too much. But in the black, the short-term necessity that every client has that many businesses struggle with is cash flow. And so that's why we begin there, because too often that is the issue that is unstated. And I can go on and elaborate on that if you'd like.
1: Yes. Yes, please.
0: In the book, In the Black, what we begin with on the short term is cash flow, cash flow, cash flow.
1: Accounting principle number one, short term, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow.
0: Cash flow, the reason why this is so essential is, first of all, you'll hear too often in business that after three years, five years, many businesses go out of business. Well, what's the primary reason for that? Well, it's traditionally cash flow, and here's how it kind of manifests itself. The way it comes to comes about is the business owner is very good about providing a particular product or service. They are passionate about it. They love it. They can sell it. And in the course of actually going out there to the market and selling it, they may actually do a very good job of selling it. But the problem that they'll run into is they're just not good at managing the cash flow, which is to say people are buying it. But they're perhaps not paying for it until their product or service is delivered. Maybe they end up in receivables and they're paying in a timely way. And so the company ends up struggling, not because of sales, but too often because they're not collecting the monies needed for the work that they're doing. And so all of a sudden the business finds itself in a very precarious situations, especially small businesses, they're doing work with people that they would consider to be their friends. They're difficult to to collect from. So how do we resolve this issue of cash flow? On this same note, just to illustrate it further, I was at a meeting once. It was a Inc. 500 meeting. It was a panel discussion. And on the panel was someone that was just sharing that they had recently been at a United States lobby discussion. It was a committee meeting. And in the committee meeting, you have people there that were congressmen. And as they were discussing business, they struggled to realize and understand that a company could be profitable on their financial report. So, on in their income statement, PL, they are profitable. But yet, even though they're profitable, they were having to declare bankruptcy. Why? Because it's the difference between accrual accounting and cash accounting accrual accounting you're showing that the business is working the people want what the company offers the business is profitable but because there's such a disconnect in the policies that the CFO should have been helping with to address the cash flow needs the business regardless is now going to go bankrupt it's going to go out of business even though they were selling a product or a service that the clients were willing to pay for and so what we're recognizing here is the essential nature of cash flow you've got to have money to pay your bills you've got to have money to make payroll you You've got to have money to buy the product or service that you're going to be producing that that cog element of the business and unless cash flow is addressed if there's no money in the bank you've got a world of stress and hurt that the business owner is experiencing and we need to address that
1: the common areas where cash flow problems arise i assume but please correct me if i'm wrong accounts receivable private expenses that, you know, basically private withdrawals, the um, business owner taking money out of the company to fund uh, private expenses, Mm -hmm. and the timing of supplier payments in relation to collecting money from the the customers. So if you have to pay your suppliers before you get money from the customers, of course, then you have a cash flow problem as well. Correct? These are the three common areas that, trigger cash flow problems. Do you agree? Number one, high number of days in accounts receivables. So slow collection of accounts receivable, too much withdrawal for private expenses. And the third one is the timing issue between the timing gap between payment of suppliers and collection from customers. Do you think these are the common three areas where cash flow problems come from?
0: Yeah, I definitely won't disagree with you at all. Regarding your point with accounts receivable, in a smaller business, one of the things that you're dealing with is so often the business owner is working with people that they would consider their friends. It's a little sensitive to be out asking for money, appearing needy, and so what they do is they neglect their receivables. Even more importantly, in a larger organization, if you do not have proper accounts receivable management, how you age those, how you continually reach out to process invoices, late notices, and so forth. You're not getting the money you deserve. You've already delivered the product or service, but you're failing to follow up. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. And if you do not have a proper collections process in place, you're going to lose money. And the older those receivables get, the less likely it is you're going to collect the money. And the failing that the business owner has is that they presume because it's in receivables, I'll eventually get it. And so they make decisions presuming they're going to collect eventually all those monies when in reality there's a lot that should be written off there's a lot that should be forgotten and forgiven all of a sudden what's happening is a business owner doesn't have access to 100 of what they see in receivables they have a fraction of that available and that fraction is dependent upon how well they manage or collect on those receivables so first point very good the second personal intermingling personal funds couldn't agree with you more the smaller the organization the more likely it is that the owner sees them their, their business and their finances as the same. And so what they happen to do is they take out money to make a car payment. They take out money to take the family to the movies. They take out money to go buy pizza. They take out money to pay for their Netflix subscription. Whatever the excuse is, they see it as their money, the petty cash and so forth. And so what's happening is really to run the business, the funds are intermingled to the point that you can't clearly see what the expenses are to actually run the business. And so we've got to educate our business owners to help them realize the business is a self-sustaining, living entity that is autonomous from you it deserves a paycheck no different than you or any of the employees it needs its own money to pay its bills and so what you can do is educate the business owner to realize that you get a paycheck for a reason you get paid, and if it's not enough, shame on you. Live within your means. The business gets paid; it has money. It's got to pay its bills. Keep the two separate. And we struggle as accounting f- professionals to educate them and help them distinguish between the two. But that's a huge challenge. I agree with you on that. The third that you pointed out is paying vendors. Just because you get an invoice in the mail, mail does not mean you need to pay it. Just because you got an email that says you owe money doesn't mean you need to pay it. Sit on those things. Manage your payables. All of a sudden with your payables, you can dictate when it is you're going to pay money. And honestly, to reach out to somebody and say, I don't have the money, I'll pay you next week, or not you don't even have to say I don't have the money, but to say, hey, by the way, I got your your invoice, I'll be processing that next week, next month, just giving them a heads up, you know, by the way, I, I can't pay it this month, could you waive that late fee and I'll just I'll get that taken care of next Wednesday. You better understand when your monies are coming in and you're able to dictate when you're paying them out. Just because you got an invoice doesn't mean you have to give up the money.
1: And now, a quick word from our sponsor.
0: When it comes to tax talks, I'm no podcaster, but I am an accountant. And every day I advise on claims and deductions. Trouble is, I hadn't been looking after my own business. Well, with the government's tech rebate ending soon, I signed up to DocuSign and I've gone 100% digital. It's streamlined everything from onboarding to invoices. Now I kind of wish I'd taken my own advice sooner. Sign up for your free trial at DocuSign.com.au. Next time, DocuSign.
1: Do you agree with that as a rough sum rule, whatever you have to pay in advance, your customer or client also has to pay in advance? So I'm thinking of a tradie, for example. The tradie can't get material on account very often. They have to Mm. pay it straight away. And then very often the builders don't pay them for, for three months or so. So, of course, it also comes down to negotiating power. But as a rough sum of rule or rule of thumb, sorry, it should be whatever the business has to pay in advance. It should not go on account, but should be paid straight away by the customer as well. If you can negotiate that, but that's as a rough rule of thumb. Do you agree?
0: Well, as a rough rule of thumb, yes. I think that's why the CFO role is so important is because you're helping establish what is the cost of doing that job. And do you have the funds to do that job? You don't want to become a bank. You didn't start a business to become a bank. You're not a lending institution. And if you can avoid uh, that whole stress and strain on trying to manage all that cash flow stress, then you're going to do a much better job. So to collect, as you're describing it, enough money is up front at the point of sale to at least cover the cogs or maybe some of the payroll. Those are very helpful. Now, you likewise, just understand this, when you're dealing with a trade organization, they could have terms where I collect product and I have a net 30. And so I don't have to pay on the product because of my terms with my vendor for 30 days. So when I go to my customer and I'm going to finish the job in five days and I have with them a net 15, I'm going to get the money from my customer ideally before my bill is due to my vendor. And so as long as you understand those relationships, yes, you can leverage those to your advantage. But that, again, is that CFO role. It's the CFO coming in Well, your vendors are giving you net 30. You're giving your clients pay upon receipt and you're going to actually have this this buffer. So cash flow, you're not going to have an issue your clients expect that you're going to be paid in net 45 well you can offer your clients net 30 because again you're going to get the funds theoretically sooner than your debt is going to be owed so all of those things are it's cash flow that's what we're talking about is cash flow and so that's where it gets to be fun and interesting because you're implementing policies in the organization that help mitigate the stresses associated with poor business decisions this way
1: and hence your accounts receivable and your accounts payable should equal, should roughly be equal. If you have one much larger than the other, then there's clearly a cash flow problem.
0: Well, now you're going to a balance sheet and you're looking at current ratio and you should have more assets than you have liabilities. And so granted, what we want to have is more in receivables and in the bank than what we owe. So yes, a current ratio of two point, or two to one or greater is what we're striving for.
1: Yes. But if the accounts receivable are much higher than the accounts payable, then you also have a problem because it means you already paid all your suppliers um, and you're still waiting to be paid from the customers. So it it should be roughly equal, those two positions. Don't you agree?
0: Not necessarily. I understand why you're saying it. But if my receivables... Age such that I typically get paid within 30 days and my payables aren't due until 45 days, and I got enough cash up front from the down payments for the work, I may not have a problem. And so, as, as long as my receivables are uh, collecting faster than my payables are owed, then I'm fine. So, yeah, I, I, I get your point. That's a good rule of thumb to say is, you know, they've got to at least be equal. But I would say, as long as my bank account, is equal to my payables i'm happy at that point because i know i've got the cash and the receivables can be as large as they need as long as i'm on top of them because i at least have the cash to pay my liabilities
1: and you're right because also of course the receivables include a profit margin which the payables don't let's say you only had one project and then of course and it had a let's say a hundred percent profit margin then of course for some time the receivables would be twice the size of the payables yes. and that would still be fine. So it's actually yes. not so much the size, it's it's the days, it's the payment terms, how quickly each of them get get fed.
0: Yes, yes. Yeah, and so this is the fun stuff. This is the accounting and the CFO level stuff that I think is fun. It's getting in and understanding those relationships and deciding what are the policies and terms that we're going to be working with as a business. And these are the things that you can advise your client on and this is the insight that they're willing to pay for. Uh, the only thing I would add is regarding cash flow, cash flow, cash flow, cash flow is there is a book called Red the Black, where we specifically go in and address how to take a business that is in the red and turn them to being in the black applying very specific principles that we can leverage as accounting professionals to help them actually transition their business using kind of that CFO strategy of what policies and procedures need to change in the organization so that we have a profitable business model. It's the business model that's oftentimes failing when the company is continually in the red. We're we're just not running it correctly. If we can change some of the policies and decisions going on, those can then directly impact The bottom line, thus allowing us to be in the black. And so that's what I'd like to end with on cash flow, cash flow, cash flow.
1: Actually, do you mind if I just very quickly touch on this this second book you have written, which is called From Red to Black in 30 Days? And it's in 30 days because it's six weeks at five business days makes 30 days. I think the model you use in that is very straightforward. And it's, it, it feels natural and obvious and that's why it's actually also very good because I think whatever feels natural and obvious, is you're a lot more likely to then also do. And mm-hmm. so the model is basically just in six steps and it starts with assessing the situation. Of course, you can't solve a problem unless you know what it is. So it starts with assessing the situation mm-hmm. and then planning how you're going to turn this around. And then, ba- and then number three is cash flow. And then number four and five are very obvious, reducing expenses and increasing revenue. And then number six is basically just ongoing monitoring of the situation so you don't fall back into old bad habits. So Mm -hmm. it feels like a very straightforward model. Of course, the crux is in the detail in actually doing it because, of course, it's always much easier to have a model than to actually do it. Do you agree?
0: I do. And what you just shared is referred to as the universal turnaround model. It is a six-week process. And in a very dire situation, you can meet with the client weekly and implement this. But you did address a a very true statement. One, regardless of the ease of identifying all these things, it is the implementation, the devil's in the details. And so what we're going to do is we're going to be leaning on the business owner to I mean we'll clearly point these things out but they've got to actually implement they've got to make the hard decisions in the case of turning things around when it comes to like week 4 reducing expenses it's maybe letting go of an employee it's possibly severing a, a relationship with a certain vendor it's you know ending a contract it's just a variety of of decisions that need to be made and when it comes to increasing revenue there's some big decisions that need to go on there that could involve maybe price increases or sales or something that can generate cash flow that we're looking for in the business to pay some of the liabilities. So yeah, there's there's definitely some easy steps that we teach in that principle or in that book. But I will point out that as easy as they are, it's the implementation that matters. So that's what we're trying to strive for.
1: All these steps, this kind of coming in like a fire engine and trying to put out the fire, that really sits in the um cash flow, cash flow, cash flow because cash flow Your cash flow segment is short term, and that's really when when the business is hitting the wall, that's really where the turnaround happens. Hence, this universal turnaround model really sits within this cash flow module, correct?
0: It does. I mean, it's, it's beginning with the understanding that the company is in the red and that if something doesn't change, they're continually, each month going deeper and deeper into into debt and so we have to address and turn this around so how do we quickly revive this company and bring them to being in the black and so red the black is a how-to guide for accounting professionals to turn the business around and it's a step-by-step process you shared the turnaround business model that's literally a turnaround model that an accounting professional can use with their client and step by step we break out how to actually follow those steps and uh, implement it with a client so i think in this first step of in the black cash flow cash flow cash flow very evident you'll i i've had conversations with business owners where before meeting with them they are very comfortable Putting on this persona as if business is well, things are good, sales are great. You sit down with them and they share, yes, sales are good, business is busy, but they're losing money. They don't understand why there's less and less money in the bank. They don't understand why they can't pay their bills. And they're dealing with stresses that they can't otherwise explain. And so what we're doing is we're coming in and now that they're in a safe environment, now that they're willing and able to open up to us, they're going to reveal that I'm working hard, you know, business is growing, but the more I sell, the less I have. I don't understand this. Why, you know, why is this so hard? And that's what we're able to do is get in and address different things that are going on in the business that are negatively impacting cash flow. And red to black helps us do that.
1: Perfect. So this was the short term action step for accounting. So now we come to the medium term. Know your business. Accounting principle number two, medium term. Know your business. In the first cash flow action step, you basically came in like a fire engine, and put out the fire and got the cash flow running again, got the machine going again. But now, of course, you need to take your step back and look at your business and really know and understand its trials and tribulations. That's what you're saying, correct?
0: Well, what we're saying with Know Your Business is the value of the financial reports. What we're trying to do is educate the business owner that these reports matter, we're trying to help them recognize that the accounting professional, the bookkeeper, is giving them information that they should be using to run their business. And more importantly, we're trying to give value to the accountant to be that translator. The business is trying to talk the language of accounting uh, or language of business is accounting and the accountant is that translator. So we're trying to say to the business owner, when you look at a p statement, that income statement on a monthly basis, quarterly basis, what do you look at? What numbers stand out to you? What matters to you? And then we're going to the balance sheet. When you look at a balance sheet, what do you understand this to mean? What are you looking for? What matters to you? And we're just trying to go through an education process to where after a few months, the business owner comes to recognize that the the financial reports matter. They actually have things in there that they should be looking at, that they want to see. And then all of a sudden, the business owner starts to realize I need this relationship with my accounting professional. I value what they're giving me. I can use this to make more informed business decisions. And so knowing the business is using those financial reports and listening to what the company has to say through the accounting language.
1: Accounting principle number three, long term, plan for tomorrow. And the third step is then basically looking ahead, acknowledging what you have, and then looking ahead and thinking about how you get from here to there, correct?
0: It is. And I'll be even more specific. The plan for tomorrow is literally helping the business owner recognize that there's value having a budget. There's value having a forecast and looking forward three years, five years, and literally forecasting where the company is going to go. And I believe the business owner starts to understand that the accountant can help them, not just with the historical, but literally seeing into the future. It's almost like this, this crystal ball starting to help us see what the future is going to offer and help them realize, you know what, there's this break-even point that if you don't sell this stuff in this quantity, you're not going to be able to pay your bills. Or more importantly, as you grow the business, you might actually run into a cash flow situation that you need a line of credit or you need a business loan at this point just because the amount of cash needed to fund the business is being stressed or strained. Or Things are going so well, why don't we open a new office, expand the business operations, hire new employees, let's buy some equipment. Well, maybe we need a business loan for this. Well, we need to get the accounting information in order to be able to apply for that business loan. We need investors. Maybe we need to merge and acquire another business. This would be a perfect time in three years to maybe buy that other company, buy our competition. You're starting to be more proactive in the relationship you have with the client. And now the business owner isn't seeing you as just merely producing historical information. They're starting to realize that you're key for them to be able to plan their company, make decisions about cash flow, get the lines of credit they need to expand, open new stores, buy the competition. There's so many other things that they could be doing if they just could see the value of what we bring to the table as accounting professionals.
1: Welcome back. So these were the nine principles of marketing, production and accounting as outlined in the book In the Black by Alan Bostrom. In the next episode, episode 381, let's talk about the court case that decided it once and for all that Bitcoin is not a currency. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to DocuSign for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.